Welcome to Beyond the Breakwater, where just beyond the crashing waves of fear, discomfort, and doubt lies the greatest potential for life transformation. We want to guide you into the open waters where the calculated risk you take becomes the turning point for you or your organization to thrive. So drop your anchors and prepare for departure in this week's episode of Beyond the Breakwater. Welcome, everybody, to Beyond the Breakwater podcast. It's uh, great to be together with Lindsay again. And Lindsay, I know as we started out uh, 2024, you did something pretty amazing here recently. Why don't you tell us about that? Yeah, I started the new year um, in Lake Michigan, Beyond the Breakwater. It actually wasn't Beyond the Breakwater, but it was uh, on shore because I was over in Grand Rapids just celebrating New Year's. And we had a group of friends that said, hey, what if at midnight we went and jumped in the 38-degree waters? And I said, okay. Ed is always saying try something new for the first time if you haven't done anything in the last six months. So I was like, all right, let's do it. And I was like, wow, this has just how funny that I am in these waters right now when it's like we've been talking about beyond the breakwater all year, went water skiing on Lake Michigan earlier in the summer. So I'm like, hey, why the heck not spend it in the thing that we've been so ingrained in? And so I felt freezing. I've been doing like cold water plunges um, all summer long. So I was like, all right, I think I've been training for this and I feel excited for (laughs) what's to come in the new year. That's really funny. Well, actually, I got a f- phone call last week, and somebody asked me. They said, "Would I baptize them in the river?" What? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, "You want to do it in the river? You know, it's January." And they're like, "Uh huh." And I really want to get submerged in the river. And I said, "Oh boy!" So I did a what? <laughs> I did a baptism this last summer in a river, which okay. is a lot of fun. And um, somebody who wanted to be submerged in the river, and that was an incredible opportunity. Um, but I'm thinking, okay, this is a little out of my comfort zone going in the river. Do um, it. Do it. Oh, That'd I will. Be so I will. Okay. I, I'll do it, but it's just not my comfort zone of going mm-hmm. into a river in the middle of January. Well, it's in no one's comfort zone. I can tell you that. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I, you're actually, you guys are going to do it? Well, I don't know. Okay. Maybe. I'm okay. hoping maybe a pool or something might be better, but I think he's going to win out and we're going to go to the river. Hmm. Why did he want to do it in like the... The dead of winter. I don't know, but I think it's really cool. It's just um, God's really gotten a hold of his life. It's huh. actually, uh, this is cool, Lindsay. It's actually a former mechanic huh. at the garage no reached way. out to me. That's really, really Said cool. So God's really been doing what? some amazing stuff in their life. What? So it's a former mechanic. Wow. We needed this news. I'm so glad. That's great. That's really cool. Um, maybe I'll get it on video and then we can... We can put that somewhere, but that's really cool. Okay, well, we are going to jump into things. Um, In light of the new year, we're going to be talking about trends today. Um, Carrie Newoff, who is a um, pretty well-known like church faith-based speaker, leader, he has a podcast. Um, He comes out with trends, seven trends every year that he's looking what the trajectory of the future is for the church and kind of just give some direction, I think, to those of us who, at least me, I'm not the most futuristic thinker. So I think it's just helpful to have a little bit of a hand on what the upcoming trends are. So, Ed, we're going to be talking about that today. Just wanted to reference, again, that's Kerry Newoff's trends. They're available on his website. They come in both document form, and then he also had a podcast talking with 
um, Jonathan Pakluda on the topic as well, um, who is uh, just like a future generation, next generation leader. I'm so appreciative for those trends, but they're yeah. always hard. I mean, every time they come out, I mean, I just feel like I lock in mm. because it's always challenging for the church. I mean, oh yeah, the church can very easily kind of get in a rut <clears throat> and doing what they've always done. Mm-hmm. And so I know every time those trends come out, I mean, I'm looking at them like, what can I take to heart? What do we need to change? And I feel like it's always forcing the church. The church hasn't had to do this really in years past, but mm-hmm. I think we're at a time now that the church has to keep moving. And, I, and I'm reminded of like a car, it's easier to steer a moving car than mm-hmm. it is a parked car. And so how do we keep the church moving so mm-hmm. that as these trends come out that we keep moving towards those trends. And I always feel like they're just beyond us, Lindsay. Yeah. They're never <clears throat> I mean, things like... that's the point. <laughs> I know, but yeah. it's never things like, oh, great, we've already been doing that. We can feel really good mm. about those. It's things like, okay, we've been making steps to make those changes already. Yeah. And now they're in black and white. Now you have to keep moving that way. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's always challenging. Yeah. And I think that's kind of what we're going to talk about in some of these trends too, is that Disclaimer, we're not perfect. <laughs> like our our church is not doing things absolutely perfectly. We're still making these shifts. I don't think any church will ever do things perfectly. Um, we don't have them all figured out, but we can make adjustments for right now that we will start to feel um, should the trajectory of the church move in the trends that are being predicted. And so I think we have made some adjustments over the past 10 years that we just now are starting to see some of the fruit come from. So I think don't be discouraged, too, if you do start to make some shifts and you don't see them in the next Sunday or the next day or even within the next year. Like these are things that will start to show, hence why it's a trend, in the future, right? Yeah, I think that's what's really hard about this is that there's a lot of work to be done. I think churches who are maybe just tuning in and thinking about doing some of these things, I think community ministry is a huge change Mm -hmm. uh, for the church. But even if the church starts to do something in the community, uh, it could be years and years and years before they start to see fruit from what they've been doing because it takes reputation, Mm -hmm. it takes consistency, uh, it takes that we're going to be here no matter what. Uh, I know the community learned a lot from us during COVID is that when everything shut down, our community ministries um, might have been closed for a day or two, but our community ministries were open during COVID. Mm. And church was closed, but the community ministries were still Mm. open. I think it takes reputation and time and consistency for churches to be involved in these things before they go, oh, wow, we had our first person Mm -hmm. who maybe has responded. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I mean, we kind of talk about that too, in just like discipleship and biblically, like some of the people that Jesus served is that we see Jesus interact with some people that we never see in scripture again, and we don't see what their life looks like after the fact. And it's like, we're seeing the same thing in our ministries where it's like, we may serve someone at the bridge um, or his hands auto, but it's like, we don't, the expectation is not that they would be in church that next Sunday, but it's, it takes years and years of having it a does. relationship. Yeah, at the bridge, it always tells us when their last visit was, like mm-hmm. when we check them in. And it's kind of amazing when um, it happens frequently, somebody be coming through and we're like, wow, we haven't seen you in five years. Mm-hmm. 
seven years. I mean, we've been open over seven years. We're like, wow, you were one of the first persons here. Mm -hmm. And then we never saw you again. And it's now seven years later that now you're back at the bridge. Mm -hmm. And I think that longevity piece is really beneficial because you start to see the the return Mm. people. Yeah, yeah. What a blessing that we've had the longevity there too, where it's like we can say it's been a few years but we're still we're still here and thank you for coming back and thank you yeah right but let's let's talk about that because first trend is the stable church has become an endangered species yeah boy when i read that i had to really go deeper into it to say what does this mean yeah and and i think you can line churches up in two categories it's like a tightrope and you're going to fall in one category or the other Mm -hmm. the church is either today it's declining or it's growing Mm mm-hmm and, and I think that's what's been really hard for pastors. Coming out of COVID, I remember all the research that pastors are working harder than they've ever worked, putting longer hours in than they've ever worked in ministry before. And yet actually their churches were t- declining at a more rapid rate mm-hmm. because we took 10 years of what we might call loss. Like, like where would the church be from 2020 to 2030? Um, 2030 was brought all the way back you know, to 2020 or 2021. Um, so churches went through this rapid decline and pastors were working harder, working harder, and yet their churches were declining faster. Mm-hmm. Um, so 2021 was a hard year. 2022 seemed to be a little bit more stable. Um, and I think 2023 has been a revealing year. Mm-hmm. I think this is what mm-hmm. we're starting to yeah. see is what did you do in 2020, 2021, 2022? And it all showed up in 2023. And now, unfortunately, um, it's it's almost like all the work that's been done, which side are you on? Mm-hmm. Oh, our church is declining. Okay. And other churches are like, wow, our churches are growing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not because of something they did in 2023. Mm. Their yeah. churches are growing because of what they did in 2020 through 2022 yeah. into 2023. And now 2024 is really just um, showing it all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that that is... That's for sure. And that's kind of what Kerry wrote about in his article, too, is just saying, like, back when the church was stable, there was no need to make any shifts in programs and budget and Sunday morning stuff and how they were spending their time and staff. Everything could just continue as is because they were happy with the results. But I think COVID did present some interesting, like it started to raise some dissatisfaction in how things were being done, the numbers, the outcomes. And so some churches starting, they started to make some shifts. And so that that's kind of the point of of this trend is like, yeah, like Carrie reported that 12% of churches said that they were stable, neither attracting new people um, or gaining any type of momentum. They're not shrinking. They're just stable said 54% of churches are in decline and 33% reported new growth, but it was only transfer growth. So when somebody was upset or they moved churches, which is that really new growth? Um, No, it's really not new growth. All we're doing is just trading believers. I want to take you into the scriptures for a minute Mm because I think it's, there's a story there that might help us to understand Mm -hmm. what's going on in the church of today. Mm -hmm. It goes all the way back to the Old Testament. Remember when the Israelites were slaves down in Egypt Mm -hmm. and Moses was called to go and set them free. And it it was about the third encounter, I think it was, with the Pharaoh that they were instructed to not give the Israelites any more straw. 
and yet they were supposed to produce the same amount of bricks. Hmm. And the reason why I think that's a great analogy for the church today is that I think churches were like like the Israelites. Um, okay, here's your straw, make bricks. And they could just keep going along. Here's your straw, make bricks. Here's your straw, make bricks. All stable. Mm-hmm. And what COVID did is it's almost like um, you don't get any straw anymore. And churches all of a sudden had to scramble, like, how are we going to do this? Mm. You know, we don't have any online ministry. How do we do online ministry? Mm. What do we do? How do we maintain what we currently have? What do we do when people are coming back or not coming back? And half of them want to wear masks and half of them don't want to wear masks. And nobody wants to engage in community. And it's almost like the church had no more straw. Mm. And it forced the church to scatter. Mm -hmm. And they had to actually work so hard to make the same allotment of bricks that the Israelites had to do. And then what they were finding is that they couldn't do it. Mm -hmm. And they were like, we're working so much harder and we can't produce what we were producing before. Mm -hmm. I think that's the exhaustion that churches Mm -hmm. are finding. Mm -hmm. Like like what was a given Mm -hmm. is no longer a given. Yeah. And people coming to your church was no longer a given. And now we're, pastors are following up, church leaders are following up, and they're like, no, I'm not coming anymore. Oh, I've been online at this church. I really like this church better than your church, and mm-hmm. they've got a better online. Mm-hmm. So a lot of believers just slid into other places because they had better ministry, mm-hmm. especially during COVID. Yeah. So churches that prepared for online ministry mm-hmm. did great. A lot of them grew quite large. Yeah, Churches that were just starting, they were so far behind that they couldn't put it all together. Hmm. So you had this, I think, almost like a redistribution for church. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And they all scattered into different places, different online ministries, different churches. And, and I think 2023 started to reveal, where's everybody landing? Yeah. So let's let's kind of run a diagnostics on Messiah Church right now. And I think as I'm asking you these questions, if there are listeners who are from a different church, like kind of be processing the same thing, the same answers to these questions, and not as anything of like, look at what we're doing and, and replicate it. But I really just want to talk about like, if we're seeing growth or decline, like what factors are contributing to those things, and then really partnering with... Um, a follow-up into the next trends. So we won't stay on this for too long, but um, Ed, where would you say Messiah Church is at right now as far as what side of the pendulum are they on? Are they growing or declining? Yeah. Okay. Good question. I'll answer it in a minute. Okay. I think what's really scary about talking about this is that if you asked me before two days ago, Mm -hmm. I would have said that we are maybe in decline and we are working harder than we've ever worked, and we're trying more things than we've ever tried. Um, so I feel like I've got my nose to the grindstone, and I have been relentless to do everything that we possibly can, both internally and community, um, for years. Um, so Tuesday was a was a, a surprise for me, um, but it was also a burden for me. Hmm. So we were at the elders meeting, and, and one of the questions that the elders asked is, okay, how did we end up 2023? Uh, what kind of attendance did we have? And we were told that our attendance had increased 25% hmm. um, from 2022 to 2023. Um, I started to cry because I didn't think that's at all where it was going to be. And Why? 
I don't know if I can answer the why. Mm. I think I just, um, you keep working hard. And, and I started to grieve. I grieve because I know people are working harder than I am. Not necessarily seeing a return, uh, watching people leave. I was, I was with a church worker from a different church over Christmas. And he told me, you know, he's working harder than he's ever worked before. And the church is in a steady decline. Mm. And I, I hurt for them and mm. I grieve for them. So I think churches have to work harder than they've ever worked, but they're not getting the return. Mm-hmm. Um, we we were blessed. We were mm-hmm. blessed beyond measure last last year. Mm-hmm. We can't take any credit for it. Mm-mm. But it makes me feel like maybe we were a place that the community, as we serve the community in these different ways, that maybe they found a home. Maybe they could come. Maybe it was just one Sunday. Maybe they were just wondering about this place that serves them in these other ways that they just came in maybe for just one Sunday mm-hmm. and got to sit at the feet of the Lord mm-hmm. and, and worship him and be a part of that. Yeah. Um, I'm always amazed when I go to church, I've been here for 15 years and it's amazing how often I'll sit in church and, and there's a lot of people that I don't know right? and never met them. Yeah. So I think all churches are experiencing and struggling, and I know even saying this, I probably took the heart out of most pastors who are listening to this going, that's not what my statistics showed. Mm. My statistics showed decline. Mm-hmm. So maybe we can talk about that for a minute. Okay. Because we can only sit in that for so long. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, we're in decline. Mm-hmm. We so have now to. What? Now, yeah. now what? Right. And, and you know, actually, Lindsay, in some ways... Um, Maybe this is nice that we had an increase, but you know what it does to me? Hmm. Holy smokes, I better get to work. <laughs> you know, hmm. I almost feel like now I have to work harder because if we do have more people coming, are we caring for them? So we better step up our game. Um, we had a conversation earlier today with another pastor on staff, you know, like, what are we doing to help these people get connected? Mm-hmm. How do we get them into small groups? How do we get them engaged? Um, how do we incorporate them into? How do we not just say, "Ooh, great, we had an increase." Mm-hmm. Oh no, actually, it did the opposite for me. It's just right. like we better double our efforts and we better work harder than we've ever mm-hmm. worked. And I think starting to ask too, like, what things are actually adding value to people's faith journeys? Like, what things are engaging them in their faith wholeheartedly and are not just adding something to their calendars? Because I think that's what the stable church kind of experienced a little bit was just we have these programs and strategies in place. We're happy with them, so we're going to keep rolling with them. Yeah. Um, so I think that that's a question that needs to be on the table for churches. Yeah, it does. Well, our mission helps us. Mm-hmm. It's reaching one more life with Jesus. Our strategies by creating environments for life transformation. Uh, that's life change. Mm-hmm. Um, it starts with me. You know, when I when I teach on Sunday morning. Um, is that changing my life? Is that having an impact on my life? Mm-hmm. So I always start with me, but then what other things that we're doing, are we really impacting somebody's life? Right. And that's true for our internal ministers. That's true for our community ministries. Like where would somebody go if they can't afford enough food, but they come to the bridge and it impacts their life because now they can put more food on the table yeah. and everybody gets to eat. Um, we go for life impact mm-hmm. and life transformation. Like, how does this change a person's life or lifestyle? 
Mm-hmm. Um, that's important for us. So yeah. that's a litmus for us. Yeah. So um, I, another litmus, bear with me as I'm processing yep. through this, but um, so I think going back to like what things are adding value there, I mentioned there were changes or things that we have introduced maybe over the last 10 years. Maybe there's been some more specifically since COVID that is contributing now to the growth that we are experiencing. Um, so any micro adjustments that are made today has potential to impact your church in the future. So it as does. the churches, maybe your answer to these questions are like, oh, wow, we are declining. Don't just wait for the death of your church, like make some adjustments now. Yes. And so I think one of the questions that we can answer that actually comes from this like seven trends guide um, at the end of talking about the seven trends, he has questions that can be processed through. Um, so maybe maybe jump into those too. Um, if you are a church worker or anybody, just just go to that end of that document. So I can't take credit for this question, but he has on here, like try to figure out what God is blessing. And so I think like one of our pastors on staff says like, don't do something and pray that God blesses it, but ask God, like, where have you gone before us and blessed this thing? And how can we join you in that? So Okay, now my question is to yeah. you, Ed, like what things are you seeing that currently exist at the church and in the ministries? What do you feel like God has blessed where in 2024 we want to dedicate more time? The community ministries um, for external, mm-hmm. the small group ministry, kids ministry, teen ministry. I don't feel like we're changing I feel like we're having to put more energy and effort into all of it. Mm. If something is not producing, we tend to cut it off. We tend Mm. to just stop doing it. Mm -hmm. Like that's not producing anything, stop doing it. So I don't think there's any adjustments in 2024 that we're going to be like, okay, stop doing that because that's not producing anymore. Mm -hmm. Uh, We've already done that. So now we're left with the things that we think really matter, Mm -hmm. uh, the community ministries that really matter. So now we're we're putting more energy, we're putting more effort into them. Mm-hmm. What happens, especially in pastors, is there there gets a point of uh, they know that they need to do something in the community. They know they need to reach out beyond their community. And it's that fishing with no hooks. Mm. And this is the hardest thing, that if you keep fishing with no hooks, people really get to know the reputation of your church. and then And then they kind of like maybe meander in when they want to. But when a church is in decline and then you're fishing in the community, Jesus mm-hmm. said, I'll make you fishers of men. What we do is we tend to go, uh, I, I, I'm going to hide the hook because I really need them to come to my church. So I don't know how to do this. And I'm almost in a panic of, please, I'm begging you, respond to this and come to my church to keep my church alive. Mm-hmm. And so we, I think we're finding that churches are in a panic and it's really hard when you're in this anxious and panic mode mm-hmm. to bring people in the church so that you can just pay your bills and keep the lights on. It's really hard to do really good quality ministry because mm-hmm. you have a hook right? and you really want something. Mm-hmm. So you almost have to have a short term, like what are we going to do to invite the community to come to our church? Mm-hmm. Maybe there's some things that you do. Let's have an event um, and invite the, turn, the church or the community we would love to have you come to our church. That's great. That's a short term. But then I think you have to have those long terms that you're serving through a grocery store um, or you're serving through food pantry 
or you're serving in some kind of healthcare, or you're serving as a church into your community and you're starting to sow the seeds, any plant takes a long time. Mm-hmm. Any tree takes a really long time to produce fruit. And I think if churches could get the long game in their minds, like keep planting seeds for all these trees, Mm -hmm. keep planting, 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 you won't see a harvest. But years down the road, you might begin to see people responding in the community. I think that lends a great segue for these next couple trends that I want to spend some time in um, being kind of looking at the trajectory of the church. So one of the the things that he had said was the impact that COVID had on the church in the sense of who was attending. Something that churches did not expect to experience was that there was actually a decline of the older generation coming back. That was a surprise. Yeah, yeah. And he just kind of said, you know, like a lot of he he titles them by their generation name of like the boomers. Like they just stayed home. They extended into their retirement. They wanted to spend more time on the golf course with their, with their friends and enjoying time. And, and they just kind of, not that they've abandoned their faith necessarily, but they, they started streaming and learned how to do that and they stayed home. Mm -hmm. And so I think churches are both either like experiencing a decline in boomers and now they're seeing a lack of people in the church because the question is, where are the young adults? Where is Gen Z? Where are millennials? And um, they might only see the few that did return who are boomers. Those are the only ones in their church. And so I think we have to start looking at the next generation and not even next generation. Like he gave some stats that were really interesting of being like the oldest millennials are turning 43 wow. in 2024. <clears throat> the oldest Gen Z are turning 27 in 2024. So these are no longer populations and generations that we're talking to as like, I feel like the only conversations I've heard about Gen Z and millennials are like, oh, like typical younger generation and like kind of like a shaking of the fist to that that generation or a shaking of the head and dismissing them. But it's like, all right, these are folks that are already entering into the workforce or have been there for a long time, like 43 millennials are turning 43 in 2024. Mm-hmm. So I think we have to start examining, and this is what kind of Carrie's call to action in this article was does your church reflect millennials? Do you have decision makers in the church? Like we have to start looking at what this generation cares about, how giving has shifted, how serving has shifted, how their um, the the interactions that they have with volunteering their time. Like there has to be an on and off ramp. They cannot serve or volunteer forever. Yeah. So there has to be some adjustments that are made in the church to this generation. Um, Ed, has there been anything that I have said like so far with this generation that is resonating with partnering well with maybe some adjustments that we've made at the church? Um, it does. I, I'd like to talk about COVID for a minute because okay. um, pre-COVID, I can just tell you there was a sentiment among more young families or young adults that when they would, it used to be decades ago that we would leave the church maybe as a teenager, young adult, but when you had when you got married and had kids, you oftentimes would be back. Mm-hmm. After 2000, we started to see the real trend shift that people would leave as a young adult um, or as a teenager, um, have kids and never come back. Mm-hmm. 
And so we almost were trending. I think the whole church was trending towards they're not coming back. And the reason, not the reason why, but churches were naturally aging in their general population because mm-hmm. they weren't coming back. So it was skewing that older generation. Mm-hmm. What I watched, which is very interesting, it seemed like that was everybody's choice to drift. Mm-hmm. COVID hits. And we know how COVID has impacted kids in particular. Mm-hmm. And we're still reeling today as a society from all of the impacts that it's had on kids. Yeah, We're also starting to see, um, like never before, young families are coming with their kids because I think they're realizing, wow, not only are they struggling in school, depending on their age, mm-hmm. but what about their faith? They We unplug them mm-hmm. and now our own kids don't know hardly anything about God. Where are we going to yeah. find that out? So I'm starting to see like like almost every week, young families coming. And I think they're coming to seek. I think they're looking for community. I think mm-hmm. they're looking for something for their kids. Mm-hmm. And they're realizing their kids are growing up without Christ. Yeah. And they need to do something about it. So that's causing a change. Yeah. Um, that's causing us to, how do we do things differently? Mm-hmm. Uh, we have an after school program on Wednesdays. That was our numbers were trending down. Uh, COVID hit, and then they were kind of low. Now they're all trending back up again. Mm. Um, and these are public school kids. Um, I think families are recognizing they need more than parents are able to provide for them. They need some help in the spiritual life for their kids. Mm. So we're starting to see like this shift for young families mm-hmm. and the older generation who know Christ, who have been part of the church and maybe decided not to come back for safety reasons or whatever, mm-hmm. um, they haven't. So our church is actually getting younger again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's interesting. So reading this article um, and me, like I'm 26, I I think I kind of teeter the line between millennial and Gen Z depending on like the reports that you look at. So I can resonate with a lot of the stuff that is in this article. Like I am very passionate about young adults and high schoolers and just the the pleasant shift and like hope that I have in them that I think uh like I don't want people to give up on them like I think there is a potential for a like real passion that this generation has that the church will miss out on if you don't know how to interact with them like Carrie said that in his article too somewhere at that point of just like you you have to learn who they are otherwise you're going to miss out on that passion because I think what young adults and high schoolers are seeing is they they want something that is real. They don't want hype. They don't want performance. They don't want production. They want something that is simple, that is high quality, that is authentic. Um, they do like want to follow Jesus wholeheartedly. And so it's like, what does that look like to follow Jesus wholeheartedly with your heart, soul, mind, and strength? Like this is not just a Sunday morning commitment for the next generation and those that are engaging with it. Like this is something where it's like they know Jesus to be real and authentic and like the spirit is moving and living and active today. I think we saw that earlier this year in the um, Asbury University having like their revival. Like they started out as not, this was not a planned like we're going to have a revival, but it started out as like a chapel and worship that turned into three songs turned into several, several days, 24 yeah. seven, where it's like that younger generation is really, really longing for mm-hmm. Jesus to 
impact their lives in a very real felt mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. And so they have time to experience God in more than just a um, like a Bible study or Sunday mornings. They yeah. want it to be seven days a week. And so as I look at these trends and I think of like maybe some of the adjustments that Messiah Church mm-hmm. has made years ago of mm-hmm. these community ministries, like I said, we haven't figured out the exact like, oh, our church is blossoming with young adults. But I think the trend is there in the yes. sense of I'm hearing it mm-hmm. in conversations that I'm having with my friends, yeah. with my siblings of like really like the thing that is resonating with them about Messiah is that like they are a church that is real, that is serving their community. I know that like my dollar has an impact in the community. It's not just going to the lights or to have the this newest production system or fog machines, but it's like my dollar has an impact. And so something this article is saying too is that like this younger generation, they give to social justice ministries mm-hmm. or social justice purposes. And so they're no longer giving to the church. That's been a, a, a felt thing that the church has had over the past couple of years is as like boomers no longer are returning to the church or Mm -hmm. are like passing on, there has been a severe dip in giving. And so that's where like that younger generation, their money is going to things that they care about. Yeah. So Ed, could you speak to anything? I know that wasn't a question, but what is resonating with you and what you are seeing? Yeah. I'm seeing a lot of what you're talking about and I know how does that impact us? For example, we are always staffing younger. So I, I'm in a place that we have a staff. Mm-hmm. And it's really important to me, like like if anybody would walk into our ministry staff meeting and there's about 13 or 14 of us, uh, we have people represented in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s. And we have one person who's about to turn 70. Mm-hmm. Um, we have everybody represented. So, But my inclination is to keep staffing younger and younger um, putting younger board members on. Um, elders are looking for younger, um, not because, I, I want to be clear here, not because, oh, let the young people do this. No, strategically, we want to get some younger people in there. And I have to tell you that they're approaching ministry very different. We've got two young guys in their 20s that are on the board right now. Mm. And, um, and boy, have I had some amazing conversations with them um, it's a different level of conversations about ministry mm. and about community ministry. And they really want to know the ins and outs of the community ministry where those above them in age have been kind of like just going along for the ride. Um, the 20s are like, we want to unpack those. Mm-hmm. We want to understand the impact of those yeah. and the dollars and how that's all working. So we're seeing a shift. Mm-hmm. We're feeling it. Um, it takes time. Yeah. It takes energy. And it, it's tough to balance both because I I don't think we're saying like dismiss the older generation. It's like still no. we, we are caring for them. You have to care for them as a church. Like they've been supporting your mission and ministry so far in their giving and in their time and in their prayer and in their invitations. And so like still value that, but don't hold on to it so tightly that you're missing what is coming because the right. future church is is on the rise already into the workforce and they're missing from the church. And I think 
like as a young adult, that has been like an ache that I've had with the church is like you do, you have ministries in four ways for people to engage who are kids and who are teens. And if you're lucky, maybe they have a college ministry. And then it jumps immediately to like marriage and families. And so where is it in the church that like this, this gap age where they can like, experience what it means to engage with Jesus and the church and the mission wholeheartedly. Um, and so it's just a tough, it's a tough to act to balance both. It is. I think it's hard. I think the church is wrestling with it. Mm-hmm. When the church has a community ministry, I think it's resonating with this younger generation. And you said it earlier, they don't want to just give for the church. So churches that are, are not moving forward with external ministries um, it's not going to be too many years that young people are going to be like, this isn't the place that I want to be part of. Mm-hmm. Uh, because if you got a choice in town and one church is doing community ministry and one church is not, they're probably going to gravitate towards another church because mm-hmm. denominationalism and loyalty to what it was or what you grew up in is gone. Uh, people today are looking for the church that's serving their needs, serving their family's needs. And so I think churches are having to go, wow, we better we better start taking steps forward mm-hmm. or we're going to continue in decline. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so I know like our push on this podcast with Beyond the Breakwater has always been to um, mobilize the church into their community. We've talked about the community ministries and different ideas that churches can have to launch their own ministry in the context of their ministry and in their community, whether it's by a ministry or like a one-off event. But I think why we wanted to talk about this article today is because the trends that we're reading about are things that we are experiencing in the shift that is coming. I'm excited because I think Messiah has the opportunity to like dance with these trends well. Um, I think for listeners, I don't want it to be like a look at us, but like how can these these trends cause some shift in your church? Like take a look at them, like see what's coming we have only talked really about like one for sure of the trends, but like yeah. kind of made a conglomerate of, they had a, a variety of trends talking about the next generation and how to to work with them. But even in just glancing at my notes, like there was another, the, the last trend is that there's a new kind of megachurch pastor that will emerge. And it's talking, I'll just read through some of those notes. That leader is less top down and more like consensus focused They're not interested in popularity and platform, but more about local community and ministry. Like we've talked about that on our podcast, the impact that the local church has, that you cannot out-local the local church, Um, how to lead well in their context of ministry. These leaders who are rising to the top, they don't want to bring back the past, but they want to focus on how you can build a more sustainable future for your church. Um, And they're less fixated on size, but more about the health of the church. And so it's like these are things that we've been talking about. We've talked about changing the scorecard of the church and just different metrics and how we we can do church a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. And so <clears throat> I think my encouragement, I know this podcast this episode has been a little bit longer in length. Um but I don't know. I I, I don't want to just shut down the conversation, but I think we can start to give listeners some practical steps before they go. Well, we can. You know what I'm I'm wondering, just mm-hmm. suspicious about? When we talk about the Harbor Church and we talk about Beyond the Breakwater, mm-hmm. 
I think what we're starting to see emerge when we talk about what are the new senior pastors emerging, I think the older generation was happy to be in the harbor. Mm-hmm. I think the younger generation, that's the restless. Mm-hmm. That's not, they're looking at it and saying, I, I'm not interested in that. And if they're looking at social justice, then really they're beyond the breakwater. Mm-hmm. So it almost, you could almost see like this emerging generation is being birthed out of beyond the breakwater Mm. and those are the things that really matter to them Mm -hmm. and the structure of a church doesn't necessarily matter all that much the older generation are more about the structure of the church and and the roots of the history and past and everything else Mm -hmm. and so i think if you look at our two models imagine if we could take a church that has the strength of being in a harbor with Mm -hmm. a great marina Mm -hmm. with phenomenal beyond the breakwater ministries i think you're going to find that young adults are resonating Mm -hmm. with like that's what the church ought to be doing Mm -hmm. but not abandoning the past not abandoning the building but now coming to the building and saying how amazing this building is for all of my friends that are beyond the breakwater Mm -hmm. to come in and actually utilize this great facility that's paid for and it's a nice facility but that's not home for us we Mm -hmm. really want to go beyond yeah yeah. and i and i think we're emerging this is why i think messiah is probably in that growth because i think we're starting to see the value i think we're starting to reap the benefit Mm -hmm. of all generations are finding a home yeah and even we did, uh, I think I mentioned this in another episode, but we had interviewed a bunch of high schoolers as we were launching our, our capital campaign and looking at kind of updating the facility a little bit. And so we had just asked high schoolers, like, dream a little bit, like, what what would be cool to see at the church? And their response was, like, interesting. Like, a couple of the guys were like, we want, we want like, a basketball court and we want those, we want new gym floors and at first you're like, okay, why? Like, okay, they just want a place to play. But when you ask them why, it's like, they were like, well, because like, this is a a really cool place to be. Like, this is where, you know, we can introduce them to like Steve, who's our like kids ministry, like our youth, our teens ministry guy. And he's just awesome at connecting with kids. And they're like, we can go to the community center and play, but like the church has something special. And so it's like, that is telling me like, Jesus means a lot to them yes. and not just their their time in scripture, but it's like they want Jesus to impact everything, how they play basketball and who they're playing with and why they're playing basketball and connecting with people who are outside of the church. And so I think all of this to say, it's like, look at these trends, like really dive into them, look at what's coming and don't just like analyze your church if it is declining, but look at it as like, okay, our church is declining, but how can we use this as an opportunity to start to feel comfortable beyond the breakwater? Because that is where the future generation is. That's where your church will kind of start to intersect with the next generation is they are beyond the breakwater. So start getting comfortable there right now. Like really all we've talked about beyond the breakwater are those who are drowning but I think you made a really good point. That's where the next generation is too. Right. It's probably not what people want to hear, but I think there are times, depending on how each listener is wired, they may be in a church right now that's in the harbor that the church is declining. 
And sometimes you have to change churches. Sometimes if you're in a church that has no desire to do anything, doesn't want to go beyond the breakwater. Uh, so I think this is decision time for pastors. Are they in the right church? It's decision time for church boards. It's decision times for the whole church at large to say, um, if this church is not going to go beyond the breakwater, if this church is not going to go where God wants us to go, then maybe it's time for me to go somewhere else and be in a church where I can lead beyond the breakwater to make a difference in where God is, where mm -hmm. God is blessing, where God is leading. And so you can't always change a church. Mm -hmm. Some churches are just going to want to die. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of churches on hospice right now. Yeah, And sometimes we have to let them die so that something new can emerge. Hmm. Yeah, so I think the call to action is pretty obvious here and just going to grab those trends. Um, like I said, they're published by Carrie Newoff. Exactly how it sounds. I have, I have no idea how to spell it, actually. I just type in like something <laughs> random and it always pops up. But Kerry Newoff, look at his trends. It's on his website. He also has um, a podcast that they talk for a significant amount of time um, on some of these. So, yeah, thanks for listening and we will see you guys next week. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Beyond the Breakwater, a podcast of Elevate Community Ministries. Don't let the conversation stop here. You can email us at hello at beyondthebreakwater.org. We would love to chat with you, answer questions, plan a visit, and help you take your next step. We'll see you next week.